0: BLOCK TALK RADIO Welcome to the Armour Report, guys. It's a Saturday, so I'll take a deep breath. We've been running through the jungle all week. Don't look back, all right? This is the Armour Report. For those of you who are new, this is a show about quantum investing in the stock market. Armour stands for Algorithmic Risk Management Research. So what we talk about on this show a lot is how to manage risk first, capture upside second. Quantum investing is about using quantitative execution algorithms to make your buy and sell decisions and use fundamental research together to create an information edge. That's what I try to share with you every time I come on the show. Now, <clears throat> got a lot to unpack. Market keeps crashing. We're gonna to get to all of that. Here's what I want to talk about today. I want to discuss. Algorithms for a minute. We saw in the news this week blow-ups of a couple of huge hedge funds. Ray Dalio running the Bridgewater Fund is the first that comes to mind. We're going to talk about that and how it affects the market. Then I want to cover our allocation to precious metals. We're going to get to the cannabis couch because we've got to start talking about cannabis again. And I'm going to tell you a couple of reasons why. And, of course, we're going to wrap it up with COVID-19 and a couple of investment ideas there and what we're doing. And, uh, and then we'll get to Q&A. So any questions you guys have, you can fill up that message board right now. And at the end, I'll start reading through them and just see if I can answer questions. Some I might cover before we get to the end. Um, okay. All of this information I share with you is information I use in my own portfolio and for investors I manage capital for. Anybody who wants to work with us that way, that has an interactive broker account, or if they don't, they can open one, they can ask that account to allow us to manage the assets. That's how we do our business for people we manage money for. We also have website, armorreport.com, A-R-M-R-report.com, for those of you who wish to run your own money but want the information flow. That's what the Armour Report's there for. You get access to me one-on-one. You can pick up the phone and call me as if I was managing your assets, but you're the one that puts the orders in. All right? So there's two different ways to, um, to gather this information and share it with you. That's how I do it. All right. I want you to take a look first at this, um, this picture right here. All right? That's a picture of Ray Dalio. Ah, there you go. That's a picture of Ray Dalio, okay? You can read that headline. It was in Business Insider this week. The worst quant quake since 2007. Huge funds. This guy was the number one hedge fund manager in the world. He used quantitative analysis to to execute. Right? It's quantum mental investing at its peak and the guys crashed and burned down thirty percent with the market. Now, how is it possible that a multi billion dollar hedge fund considered one of the smartest guys in the industry is down 30%. How's it possible? His algorithms, his quantitative strategy imploded. And he's just a poster child. There's a lot of quant funds that have imploded. How's it possible? All that money, all that knowledge, all that know-how is imploding. And yet you guys who've been following me, and listening to the Armour Report, you guys exited your portfolios the first week of the market crash. How's it possible that Armour Report algorithms went to 100% cash on the 24th of February, the first day of the market crash, and yet all of these guys MIT graduates building all kinds of algos have crashed and burnt. So I want to address that question. It's a, it's a very simple answer to me. I embarked on this journey to write algorithms to build a quantum investing strategy to build a website to bring you that information six, seven years ago, I literally started writing code. And I had two options. I could either build what they call neural networks, AI algorithms that were designed around neural networks or I could build algorithms that are based on three pillars, statistics, probability, and volatility. I chose the second after doing a lot of research. I could have hired people to build neural networks for me. Or I could have written code myself and with an associate And we could have worked for seven years building these algorithms on our own, having to do with statistics, probability, and volatility. The reason I chose the second road, which we can now see is the road that works, is because neural networks, and this is what the Ray Dalios of the world, the Bridgewaters of the world, all of these big hedge funds have been touting during the bull market run. Let me explain a neural network real quick. Very simple way to explain it. Ready? Here we go. <clears throat> the basic investment engine used to be, before computers, you had 20 analysts working the fundamental side. This is just an example, right? Every day you had analyst meetings. Out of that meeting came ideas. You then took those ideas gave it to the trading desk, the trading desk executed those ideas. Those are all humans. So the idea around a neural network is instead of just 20 analysts, you have a computer that can crunch more, can accept more data and crunch that data faster than any room full of people. And instead of humans doing the execution, you can then send the information data to the the quant side that will now execute. Okay, So you build a network, a neural network, this is what these guys did, that can outthink humans and execute faster than humans. So it's a winner, right? Okay, the reason I didn't go that route, the Achilles heel of those strategies is that you're still putting the same information into The animal. Okay, what I mean by that is the same data. The data is the Achilles heel. You're taking the same process of investing that was done for decades. You're condensing it into a computer system. But at the end of the day, you're going to get the same outcome. You just get it a lot faster. That's why it works in a bull market and it gets crushed in a bear market. It works in a bull market because it works a lot faster than humans. It gets to the, the, it crunches more data, gets to the answer faster, puts a position on faster, bull market, these guys excel. But in a market crash, it's the same bad data going into the computer system, see? And so the algo doesn't shut off, it doesn't know. It doesn't know that the world has changed. And it keeps on executing, just like humans. But in this case, it executes faster than humans. So it keeps getting crushed as fast or not faster than humans. Okay? So how is that a platform to build wealth over a long period of time? Okay, here's how, right? 90% of the time, or maybe not 90, I don't know what the number is. But the majority of the time, we're in a bull market. Okay? Most of the time, the market goes up. Maybe it's 70% of the time, whatever the number. So over a long period of time, those guys will make money. Now, here's why they're in trouble today and how it affects you in the stock market. They get so arrogant during times of a bull market. They believe they're God, and they start leveraging like crazy. And they put on too much leverage. Then, when the data going in has a virus, unintended, the outcome is just as bad as a human, but a lot faster on leverage, and you get a market crash. So, what I did for myself, for my own capital, for the people I manage money for, for the Armor Report for you guys, I built algorithms based on statistics, probability, and volatility. I'm not taking fundamental data and shoving it into his computer, hoping to get information out faster than the next guy. The quantitative part of our quantum mental investing platform is simply to execute without fear or greed. The fundamental side, we still do on this trading desk with our analysts We still figure out the stocks that we want, places we want to go, but the algorithm protects our capital whenever you run into bear markets like this. And it opens the window for investing when opportunities present. Okay? So that's the difference between what we're doing and all these guys that are blowing up, and it's why we're still standing and they're in trouble. And one other reason is we don't use a lot of leverage, okay? You know, rule number one. Rule number one. Nothing wrong with some leverage. And I use a lot of leverage in my day trading. Okay. But you just don't use a lot of leverage. Make the money that you make without being greedy. And we wouldn't be in this mess. Okay. Enough said. Let's move on. Um, A little reminder. Oh, don't forget, guys. If you enjoy what we're talking about, give me a thumbs up. Subscribe if you have an interest in subscribing. Let me get rid of these things so I can show you my shirt today. All right. Again, don't forget about family. For those of you who are concerned that on Wednesday I hung up on my mom, I answered the phone, I hung up on her, but I took her for a walk. Okay. Spent a couple hours chatting with my mom. Family's important right now. Everybody be safe. This is the shirt for the day because the minute this um, discussion with you is over I'm going to install an Xbox for the kids and of course we've got the Jedi program we're going to be playing today so my son's six so uh, we don't have an Xbox I figured we're going to be cooped up for a couple months I bought an Xbox is that a reason to buy Microsoft stock? maybe, not right now <laughs> but maybe a lot of people are doing the same thing um, okay Next topic, I want to discuss real quick, the buy and hold guy versus quantum investing, stop losses, protecting your assets. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I just had an interesting conversation with this. And I saw some discussions uh, on Twitter about it. And um, I think we all know at the end of the day, it's better to use stop losses and quantum mental investing to protect your assets so that you're not down 30% right now. In the indexes, individuals are down a lot more than 30% because individual stocks are cratering faster than the indexes. Um, so I think that argument's you know pretty much moot now, right? Three years' worth of market performance has been wiped out. So that buy-and-hold guy who's totally arrogant two months ago okay, and says, oh, you don't need stop-losses. You just buy-and-hold and you make your way through it has just um, given away three years of performance in two months. So – um clearly there's a better answer and what we're trying to offer you here on the armor report is that better answer so um one thing that kind of annoys me is this guy these people they're losing tons of money and they keep spewing this ridiculousness on twitter and you know wherever facebook you and they tell you don't worry you hold you'll make it through market always recovers And the problem with guys who try to time the market is that they miss the bottom. Well, guess what? We sold the very first day of the market crash. And I love the fact that my biggest concern is that I might miss the bottom. Okay? You and I, we might miss the bottom. We might miss the turn. Maybe we don't put the money to work fast enough when the market bottoms. Give me a break. Is that really the answer you're hiding behind as you're suffering in your portfolios? Let's move on, guys. All right? Don't get me started. Just admit it now. Buying and holding is not the answer. Okay? Let's move on. Um, Stock market direction, what do I think is going to happen next? Let me share with you this picture right here because this is the most important thing. That is the chart of the investment grade bond index ETF, LQD. You've heard me talk about it. You can see the rapid decline. Okay, I don't think the market in equities will bottom until you see debt players bottom, excuse me, the IG index. Now, I talk about using and looking at spreads on the CDX index, that's a lot harder to follow. This is very simple to follow. This is an ETF of investment grade bonds that's plummeting. Now let's don't get confused. I, I do use this sometimes when I'm day trading. So for instance, if the equity market's down in the morning and LQD is up, I'm looking for a long trade. Okay, but. Let's, let's don't talk about day trading today. Let's just focus on investing and how we're going to put our capital back to work, because apparently that's our biggest concern now, right? Um, it's the last thing a buy and holder can tell me that I'm going to miss putting money back to work. So let's focus on what we're going to do to put money back to work. I need to see the bond market bottom. I think bonds will bottom before equities. I think equities will overshoot on the downside as bonds are bottoming. That's typically what happens. As you can see by that chart, look at it again, there is no bottom in sight right now for the bond market. And I'll have you, please notice, look at these days, look at at these days right here. Three days in a row, bonds are plummeting, okay? Now look at S&P. During that time, the S&P had big up days, right? Here, right here, okay? And I know a lot of you guys were asking me during those days, should we get long? If the bond market keeps plummeting, those rallies in equities are not real rallies. They're just massive oversold conditions and the market has to bounce or don't forget the government has what called the plunge protection team, the PPT. This is not science fiction, this is a fact. After 1987's crash, Ronald Reagan put together the the plunge protection team to help avoid a 24% crash overnight, which is what happened. And it authorized the government to do things to step in and support the equity markets to slow the decline down. So when you see big up days, bonds keep going down that tells you the PPT is at work trying to calm everybody down in equities, but the PPT is not running in and buying investment grade bonds. They basically buy the index uh, um, futures. Okay, so the way to differentiate between just the plunge protection team slowing the decline down and a real bottom will be what's happening in bonds, investment grade bonds. Okay, Um, of course, the other thing we're going to look for is the algorithms to give us a buy signal. So we've got the seven algorithms. They're designed for the volatility of each index, and they incorporate the, – the, the volatility component is not static. It's dynamic. So we're in a ridiculously volatile market. The algorithms understand that, and they start calculating differently. Okay? So th- there should be my, – my guess is we're going to get a couple of algorithmic entry points that might hurt. I'm just telling you that right now. We might get a buy signal that gets crushed the next day. If we look at 2008's collapse, that did happen. Okay, so for aggressive accounts, if I get the algo buy signal, I'm going to go buy some stocks. Um, probably the indexes first. I might not do that for a conservative account. Or if I do it, it'll be a lot smaller. So position size will be key. So the third thing we're looking for is a treatment slash cure for covid-19 that stops the stampede you all remember those westerns where you see a cattle stampede and a cowboy goes and you know stands in front of all the cattle running towards him fires a gun and the cattle stop running right so that i think is going to be the effect if the gilead drug remdesivir or Um, the Teva Pharmaceutical and and Mylan Labs drug, um, chloroquine, end up being a cure or a treatment. If that's the case, that'll be like the gun going off, and I think that the stampede will be over. People will start to relax. Hey, there is something we can do to protect us, to get healthy, we'll be okay. So those are the three things I'm looking for. You know, I'd like to see all three to get heavily invested. But if I get one or two, then I'm going to start putting some capital to work in, in a small way. If you want to know what I'm buying and when I'm buying it and what the stop losses are, become an armor subscriber. I call them armor insiders. I'll send you emails when I'm doing it. So you'll know exactly what's happening. You can check the website when I'm updating things and you have the right to get on the phone and call me. If you've got questions as a subscriber an insider as well. All right. So those are the three things we're looking at. Um, let me uh, let me talk real quick about um, a major addition to the portfolios today that I'll share with everybody from the standpoint of just trying to help everybody out here. Um, at some point in here, there's going to be a realization that gold and silver are real um, – um, stores of value, okay? The government, both our central bank and the White House Congress are, are, are in the process of committing trillions of dollars to this COVID problem. The Fed has announced a trillion dollar repo every single day the rest of this month. The Fed is is liquefying the commercial paper market to the tune of trillions the fed is supporting the money market um um, uh, money markets the 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 fed um i'm forgetting other things there were so many things that were just announced armor insiders you can go log into the weekend review i just updated it and i listed all these things you can read them off okay um All of these things, and then of course the White House Congress, they're going to come up with a multi-trillion dollar or whatever the number is stimulus package. Um, The Treasury has announced they're going to be issuing 25 and 50 year paper in order to fund all of this. This is massive devaluation of currencies on an epic scale. I just told you about the U.S. Forget about what's going on overseas. Japan, Europe, China, people are Central banks are printing money like crazy. Gold and silver got whacked with the market. We were in, we got out, they went lower. We're back in. Why did they go lower, you ask me? Because Ray Dalio and a lot of other quant funds had allocations to gold and silver. They were leveraged to the hilt on their portfolio. We are in the midst of a margin call meltdown where everything gets thrown out, gold and silver included. But we believe at some point in here, it's important for us and our personal capital and for investors to have, a, have an allocation of gold and silver in, in everyone's account. I don't know when it's going to start to perform as the hedge that it should. We need the margin call implosion to end. And then I think you start to get separation from assets some assets are gonna start rising while others don't. Here's just a quick example. Here's GLD, we all know this, okay? It's sitting on the 200-day moving average, not a bad sell-off for gold with the rest of the market imploding. That black line's a 200-day, okay? Silver got destroyed, crushed through the 200-day, trading more than two and a half standard deviations below its 200-day, and that's because silver is a much thinner market and is connected to industrial metals. So people panicked. Okay. We think there's a real opportunity in gold and silver. Okay. We're not buying GLD and SLV. We don't really believe in those ETFs. We think those ETFs in an Armageddon scenario are not backed actually by the metal. So I've talked about Sprott funds. You guys can go read about them. Sprott is actually, those funds are are audited four times a year. The gold and silver bars are out of the banking system. They're in a vault, and you have the right to have those bars delivered to your house. If you turn in your shares, you can actually do that. So those are the the physical ways we own the metal. So we're back into those positions. Um, You know, we could be early. You know, you gotta you gotta manage your position size. You have to have enough firepower left over that if this is the wrong entry, you can add to it on weakness, or you cut at a stop loss and then re, re you know, re-add later. You might ask me, why am I doing this right now? Why am I adding? I believe that at some point in the middle of the night, gold might be up a hundred dollars and I won't be able to execute during the day. I really believe that moment is coming in precious metals. And so I'm going to hold them at this point. They're down. Silver's down huge. Gold's down, sitting on its 200-day moving average. I'm putting that to work. Um, let's get to um, let's get to our, our Teva and our um, our Gilead positions, and then we'll wrap it up on the cannabis couch and get to questions. Okay, those of you following me. Um, And certainly, Armor Insiders, you might be aware of this, but let me just um, tell you where we we are at in this Gilead story. I got you guys on Gilead early. As soon as we found out what was going on with COVID after doing research, I thought Gilead had the best product that would be approved the fastest. We bought Gilead stock in the low 60s. It ran to the, the 80, and I told all you guys, I am booking my profits personally and for clients where this makes sense I'm booking my profits, rolling into the options. So I booked profits. Gilead came down. I was buying my options. Gilead shot up to like eighty. What is? It? I can't remember the price. Right in front of um, Trump's the Trump speech. Okay. Look, Armour Insiders, you have the right to call me and ask me what I'm doing during the day. I can't update the website fast enough right now as the market's trading. I update it like I promise I will at the end of every day. So if you want information during the day, you've got to be interactive and pick up the phone. And I'll tell you what I'm doing, which I've done for some of you insiders who have that privilege. And I think it's worked to your advantage. So... um, What did I do the day Trump came out and started talking about this, um, the the possible treatments? We were all excited. Gilead ran to like 83, 84. Trump came out and started talking about chloroquine. Okay. The minute that happened, I cut my position down 50%. Okay. I just booked half my gains in the options because it wasn't the news we were all hoping for, right? Some guys thought they were going to approve, you know, fast track approval for remdesivir. That wasn't the case. So you have to be nimble in this market. Booked half my gain, waited to see what the response would be. The next day, I booked the rest of my gain. At the end of the day, Friday, we had stock was 73. So I put the stock back into portfolios where I had booked my gain in the options. Okay. Stock back in the portfolio at a normal position size now. When I originally talked about it over a month ago at 63 and change, I told you it was twice the position size. I took a huge position because I thought it would be a winner, and it was. Okay, now we know that chloroquine and other drugs, there's like three other, four other drugs that are in trials. There's going to be more than one cure, Okay. I don't know which one's going to be successful. So now what I want to do is build a bit of a portfolio of the names that will benefit from the treatments. Gilead's got to be in there. I still think they'll be the first with results that come out, and I think the results are going to be good. My guess is the stock goes higher. So I've got a position on but a manageable one. We're in a crash, guys. You can't take excessive risk. I had excessive risk on. I made money. I booked it, and now I've put out a normal position size in a market crash, okay? Then I added shares of, let's take a look at this. So here's, um, okay, and I sent this, this is Gilead, right? So we all know how that traded. This was the day, oh, it ran to 85 and changed 86, right? So somewhere in the 84 range where I sold half my calls. And then I sold the rest of the calls, you know, yesterday in, in the AM and then the whole thing imploded. And I bought the stock back down here at 73, right at the close. 73 and a quarter is what I I paid for it. Okay. Um, Teva. Right. Teva. There's a stock of Teva. And I think you can look at Mylan Labs, MYL. Okay. Mylan and Teva. Okay. These are generic drug companies that make chloroquine. I've chosen Teva as my investment. I want to give a shout out to an Armour subscriber who's been on Teva for a while. We've been discussing it for for the reason of a turnaround story. I asked all of you guys a couple months ago, I told you about the Armour turnaround process. We like to buy stocks that are in the midst of turnarounds for ideas. And this one subscriber told me, what about Teva? So I did some research. We looked at it. It wasn't my favorite idea at 14. The stock was 7 and this subscriber direct messaged me early in the morning on Thursday after that Trump um, uh, presser and reminded me about Teva and that they are one of the companies that produces the generic version. So we were in there buying a stock at the end of the day, $7.17, up to like seven thirty. Stock gapped up Friday morning, okay? I had a twice the position size on at the end of the day Thursday I cut the position in half on the gap up the book of profit I'm holding a normal position size of Teva and a normal position size of Gilead okay this is for ag- aggressive accounts for my conservative accounts I might hold them but they're small guys we're not taking a lot of risk even in names like this okay so as the treatments begin to broaden out and we see there's more opportunities for success, I can't have all my eggs in one Gilead basket, so I'm going to spread them out, right? Um, Cannabis couch, let's get to it and then we'll get to questions. This is is going long, guys. I hope you're enjoying it because it's a lot to talk about. Um, There's just no way to, to make these videos smaller at the moment. Okay, cannabis couch. Guys, I want to share this picture with you. No, no, I don't want to share this yet. I want to share this information with you. I think you all know this already, but for those of you who are new to cannabis, I'm going to share this. First of all, cannabis got destroyed last year, so that's already happened. It occurred to me this morning, as I was getting ready to talk to you guys, this weird twist of fate. In this weird twist of fate for all of us cannabis enthusiasts, cannabis investors Coming out of this market crash, cannabis stocks, I I believe, might end up being one of the best places to have money. And the fun thing is now, we already know how screwed up the market is in Canada and all these things. These stocks have been crushed with the market. Nobody cares about how many stores are being opened in Ontario right now, which was the thing that was holding back those stocks. There's no stores open. For anything. And online sales are going through the roof in Canada and the U.S. for cannabis. I've talked to you ad nauseum. You can't own a cannabis stock that doesn't have liquidity. It's hard enough for cannabis companies to get liquidity in a normal market. Now they have none. So what's going to happen is a lot of bankruptcies. But the guys with cash will come out of this Stronger, with dramatically less competition, in a world that is changing its perspective on cannabis. You don't agree with me? I'll share this one piece of information with you. We're going to come out of this crash and this economic downturn. And cannabis will have a new place in the hearts and minds of Americans, people around the world, and investors. You don't believe me? Then riddle me this. States are on lockdown. Lockdown means you can only go out to get essential Goods. You can go to grocery stores, you can go to drug stores, and you can go pick up your weed. Cannabis dispensaries are considered essential. So, what stock do you have to focus on? Guys, I'm not buying the stock today. Okay. By the way, if you looked yesterday, One of the only sectors that was up on the day were cannabis stocks. They were all up across the board, you know, without the occasional exceptions, right? You're not going to miss anything. The market's imploding. You're going to get shots in here, so you don't have to be crazy and rush out. But I'm just saying, you know, weird twist of fate. That arrogant guy who looked at you a few months ago and said, why do you bother with cannabis? I own Boeing. It's a blue chip never going to lose money in that stock. Okay, Boeing's going bankrupt, and I submit to you that your Canopy Growth could be a lot higher in the next couple of years. Take a look at this, guys. That's Canopy Growth balance sheet. I highlighted for you. At the end of 2019, $4.5 billion in cash and short-term investments is the same thing as cash. Okay, That's Canadian dollars, so it's less than U.S. dollars. So what is it, like $3.8 billion or something like that? I don't know if that's the exact correct math, but something like $3.8 billion in, in cash at last time we looked. Could be less, what, $3.7 billion? The market cap... Canopy growth is like four billion. It's four billion dollars. They have like 3.8 billion in cash. It's almost trading at its cash value. That's how ridiculous the market is right now. It's telling you that canopy growth is worth nothing except for the cash that it has. We all know that's not right. Now look, you can't just jump in because of that statistic. In the 1974 bear market, and probably in 2008, but I know this for a fact, so I was chatting with my dad just yesterday, stocks were trading below their cash value, okay? So just because it's a cash value doesn't mean it can't keep going down. In market crashes, people throw out the baby and the bathwater and and everything. Prices get to, to levels that make no sense. But canopy growth doesn't need cash. All of its competition is desperate for cash. No doubt they'll be bankrupt at some point. Some companies will, won't be here anymore. These guys will still be standing, and we might get a shot at buying the stock at or below its cash value. That has to be at the top of the whiteboard. All right. Those are my thoughts for today. Let's go to questions. Um, Good morning, Tech Monkey. Okay, do you see, okay, uh, politics for dummies. Do you see JNUG reversal anytime soon? Let's take a look. JNUG, all right? So that's the, all right. Let me say this again, just to be um, perfectly clear. I have no interest in using leverage in the stock market, which means I have no interest in buying ETFs that are three times leveraged. The volatility is so fierce right now. I don't need that kind of leverage. I could buy GDX, GDXJ, and they jump 25% in like 10 minutes. So I, I really got to tell you, I, I think it's greedy. I'm just going to go out there and say it. You want to go do it? I'm not telling you what to do. I don't know you. Maybe you're having fun. I don't want to get in your way. But I'm just saying, who needs three times? Who needs two times? We're in the midst of a, of, a, of a margin call meltdown. You've got to protect your capital. But I don't know how you're using that asset. So who knows? I mean, have at it. Not for me. <laughs> it's just my man. <laughs> Thank you, Nick. Appreciate that. Um, okay, question. On, on March 17th, this is from Nick. We got an alert that Risk Monitor turned green. How far are we from Green. Can you comment on this on March 17th? I did not alert you that risk monitor was green. What I said was on that date, some of the index algorithms had gone positive and for my index only portfolio. So I'm glad you asked this question. Let me, let me explain this again. There's the risk monitor and then there's our index only portfolio that is run by algorithms. So I don't, Touch it. I don't turn them on. I don't turn them off. I let it run. All it does is buy these seven indexes. We put 14 and whatever the numbers, 14.5% or whatever, of each, each position gets an allocation of 14 and whatever percent to make up uh, 100%. Okay? Um, and so on the 24th of February, that went to 100% cash. And then over the next couple days, we got out of our normally managed accounts which you know are our, our, um, armor-balanced, armor-aggressive, armor-conservative. We were so, we ra- so on day one, on the 24th, the index-only portfolio was 100% cash. We raised stops on every other portfolio. If we were conservative, we cut out positions immediately and just had a core. And then we got stopped out of everything else by the end of the week. So that index-only portfolio, there were three indexes that gave a positive signal of seven. So that index only portfolio bought those three and immediately lost money the next day. That does not turn the risk monitor green. We need seven out of seven indexes giving us a buy signal within a 24, okay, 48 hour window for us to get risk monitor green. Okay. Very important. Glad you asked that question. There has been no risk monitor changing from red to green since the 24th of February. All right. Next question. How do you like, um, the pair trading idea of buying the NASDAQ and shorting the Dow since the former appears much stronger than the latter at the moment. Um, I don't pair trade, so I'm not sure I'm, um, I'm going to give you the right information. It sounds like it makes sense. I do know throughout this whole thing that the NASDAQ 100s outperformed all the other indexes. But when you're pair trading, what you're trying to do is capture uh, that spread. You know, So you're short one, long the other. You figure if the market keeps going down, your short goes down more than the long that you've got. You know, it's a very uh, intricate process. If you're managing that portfolio correctly, it certainly makes sense to me because the Nasdaq 100 have been stronger names. There's no energy in those in that portfolio. You know, there aren't um, you know a lot of the best names that are benefiting from all this, like Amazon. You know, dominate that portfolio. So I see your point. Have at it. It's not my bailiwick. Okay, Southeastern 99, thoughts on buying cruise stocks after the bottom is in. To me, that's just a question of opportunity cost of money. I don't, um, I think there's better places for me to go than the cruise stocks. So what I'm looking at, I'm building a list of names that have been destroyed because of Corona. On that list, as an example, is Disney. You could put on that list, Carnival Cruise. At the end of the day, what stock do I want to own for that allocation of my portfolio? I'd rather own Disney because I know the stock's been destroyed because their parks are closed. I get it. But at the same time, people are subscribing to Disney Plus like crazy as they're stuck at home for the next two months. So when this all washes out, I'd rather buy that stock for for my allocation of. Coronavirus crushing, you know, we'll call it coronavirus crushing. What stocks have been crushed because of coronavirus? Disney, the airlines, the, the cruise ships. You know, I never, truth be told, I never liked the cruise ships in the normal market. I never bought those. I never bought airlines. Like those stocks just don't interest me. So if you want to buy them because they're down so dramatically, I just think there's better places to go. Personally, guys, don't forget, I'm not telling you what to do. I don't know you, right? I'm just sharing my own. Thoughts and knowledge and information on how I run my own money. So if you're looking at Carnival Cruise or airlines or whatever, I submit to you high-grade the names that have been killed but actually have parts of their business that are doing well and are going to make it. So anyway, that's my thought there. I hope that answers. All right, Titec Solutions, um, loaded up on PSLV. Well done, right? It might go lower. I, I could. I mean, if we keep getting this market meltdown, you know, margin call mania. But at some point, we're going to want to own those names. And my guess is that point will be at like three o'clock in the morning on a Sunday, right? So I got to carry some through the weekend. Um, All right. Um, What do I think about the miners? Ken Zing, what do I think about the miners? I love the miners. My only problem is, they're stocks like any other stocks, and stocks are getting trashed right now. So they're at the top of my list. If I could, if I could start to see the bond market stop imploding, and things and volatility start to quiet down, I'd love to add those names. Truth be told, in my personal account, I did add a small position of Newmont Mining. Okay, it's the only one I'll buy. I think it's the best company. Most of its assets are focused on. And North America, you know, so that's my favorite name. If I can't make money in Newmont, I don't think I'll make money in any of these names. Um, but right now for, for me and for clients I'm managing capital for and for the armor reports, it's just focus on the, the, um, um, the physical metal for me at the moment. But I've got an itchy trigger finger for the miners, my friend. I'm looking. But I'll tell you what, I don't need any, for me personally, for Armor Report, for clients, there's no way I'm buying uh, – um, um, there's no way I'm buying a lot of small-cap mining stocks. Okay, We got to high-grade the portfolio like you would high-grade a mine. Um, all right, Darren. Darren Samantha. Hello, I'm looking uh, at Oxy. And Halliburton for long-term holds in the opinion. Um, I'm afraid Oxy won't be a going concern. That's my my problem there. They've got massive amounts of debt. I used to be a huge Occidental fan. We made money trading that stock last year. I had that stock coming into the market crash. We owned it at 42 and a half. We sold it at 40. Because it hit the stop. So, do I want to run back in and buy it? I don't think that dividend's real, okay? That dividend yield's they're probably going to cut the dividend, get rid of the dividend. I don't know what's going to happen to that company right now. I have no interest in energy stocks right now. And I'm going to tell you something. I talk about a lot of our successes on this show. I lost money last year in energy stocks. It was very frustrating for me last year in energy stocks. I'm mean, just being honest with you. I don't just talk about my successes. I lost money in the pipelines. I can't understand why they keep going down. Luckily, I have stops. They get me out of my emotional situation. Emotionally, I held on to pipelines too long last year. But I had a stop, and I said, okay, i got to sell it at this point. And the pipelines have imploded. I don't get it. You know, So I'm not messing with that. Um, and I also think um, – Darren, I also think that if you're looking for yield, there's unbelievable amounts of opportunity now. Uh, yields are everywhere, and the and I'm looking for yields that are safer than energy yields. I just don't trust any of those dividends now. All right. Um, all right. Southeastern 99 asking me about U.S. cannabis plays. Here's the problem with the U.S. cannabis plays, whether it be Greenleaf or, or Green Thumb, I mean, or, or – um, True or whatever these stocks trade on an incredibly illiquid exchange in Canada and the pink sheets here. I'm not buying assets like that in a market crash. Number one. Number two, if you like Green Thumb and you like True Leaf, you have to love Innovative Properties. IIPR. Now we made a lot of money in that stock. We bought it the very last day last year, December 20. 20- uh, December 31st. And let's take a look. I'm glad you brought it up. Glad you brought it up because this company, in case you're not aware of this, um, Southeastern, you probably are because you've been watching this for a while, but here, there we are. We bought 75.65. It ran up 37% in eight weeks. And of course, our stops were right in here. We got stopped out of the position. Okay. Booking a nice profit. I think we sold it somewhere in the, the high 80s. Okay. Oops. Sorry about that. All right. So um, I love the U.S. cannabis business. I think they're making a killing in here. They're essential businesses. Okay. But I'd rather own the real estate investment trust with a yield over 5%. What's the yield now? It must be close to 6, 7%. They've been putting out capital like crazy with a 13% rate of return. The dividend's definitely going up this year. And because business is booming for the cannabis companies in the US, they're going to keep paying the leases that uh, um, Innovative Properties owns and is, and is collecting on. So that dividend's good money. That's a stock that's got to be at the top of my list. And that's the way I'm playing the U.S. cannabis market. I'm not buying cannabis companies that trade on the Canadian Stock Exchange. Politics for dummies. I really appreciate that. Shout out to subscribe. Thank you very much. Subscribe to the Armour Report, guys. I'm sending emails now when we make changes to the portfolio for all you insiders. So start looking at your email box. I've just really started doing that this week because I just can't keep up fast enough, so I'm trying to send out emails to make sure you guys are aware. Um, Canopy, Kronos, Canadian tickets with most cash. Um, C-Web. Okay, here's the thing with Kronos. I don't know what's going on with that management team and their restatement. That's why I haven't mentioned that. You're right. They've got the cash. You know, I'm sure they're going to be okay at the end of this. Probably a name that should be on the list. I don't like the fact that they, they have to restate earnings because it seems like they were doing some things that May be considered nefarious, so um, that's why I'm focusing on canopy right now. Okay, um, I like the Charlotte Web idea, but I don't know. I don't know. Got to see the next earnings announcement. Look at their cash position. See how business is for them. Medmen completely beaten down, poised to benefit. No interest in Medmen. No interest. I think that's the worst managed company in the business. So just be safe there. If you're doing, if you're doing that. I, I just. Um, not a company I would ever uh, recommend if you're holding on okay, business if you're holding on to long term dividend positions that you did not uh, have a stop on or sell, do you wait for a bounce or you sell god that's, yeah, that's a tough question um, I can't answer that question for you I would answer it I can't answer it I'm going to answer it this way this is an old adage and it's true You have to sell to your sleeping point. If it's keeping you up at night, you you have too much. You have to just start again. If you're not staying awake at night, if you're able to make it through this, you have to be honest with yourself. Look in the mirror. And you're stuck in positions. I can't really tell you what to do because I don't know the positions you're talking about. Some of them might go bankrupt, so you'd want to get out. Others, I don't know, uh, an example, Verizon, for instance. The company's not going bankrupt. They just did a huge debt offering, so they have even more cash in the balance sheet. You know, that would be a name you might stay with. So I can't really answer that question directly. I hope that helps. All right, wrapping up here, um, KDN, I'm looking at gold five-year investment. Is, okay, lower the day I bought, stop, still good. Does it apply? That's a great question. That's a great question, um, Katie. I think um, um, it depends on the type of investor slash trader you want to be, uh, how aggressive you want to be. Um, Lower the the day I bought always works for me in every market environment, and particularly this one. Volatility is so fierce, um, even that stop can hurt sometimes because you have to wait till the end of the day, and things can be down an extra 5% before you get out. Um, I don't, I can't answer the question for you. I don't know your situation. I don't know how much money you have in an asset. Um, the way to handle, if you don't want to LODB yourself out, then w- what I would do for those types of investors that I work with is the position size has to be right. So the position size has to be smaller. If you're going to have a bigger stop. Okay. And, Don't fear being stopped out and then buying it back two, three days later. That might happen. You might have to do that a couple of times in this market before you get the right move. So now I'm going to answer personally. For my personal account, I'm going to have an allocation to gold and silver. I'm not going to use a stop on that particular allocation. I feel like at some point we're going to see a repricing in gold and silver, and I want to make sure I have a piece. So I don't have a set stop for a portion of that position. And I'll trade around the core. I'll respect my stops, so I limit my losses, and then I'll look to buy that asset back cheaper and trade around the core. And I may hold the core because I want to make sure I have that asset overnight. I hope that answers. Um, hey, seven more subscribers in this stream so far. Are you serious? Brilliant. All right. Hexo had an earnings beat. Could it recover? God, it should, right? I mean, they got that relationship with Molson, but um, Hexo has been off my list for a long time because they've completely mismanaged the company. So, not my favorite name. If you want another name with a lot of cash, I have to go with Afria. I don't like that management team e- uh, either. But they did a huge equity offering at the right time when people thought it was crazy. Why did they just do that? Why did they add a half a billion dollars to their balance sheet? God, were they smart. They did it right before the meltdown, like a month before the meltdown. So there's another big guy that probably is going to have cash that comes through this. But Hexo, not managed right. Um, Okay, thanks for the answer. Sleeping. Okay, holding J&J and McDonald's. Yeah, I mean, look, J&J and McDonald's probably make it through this. Those are probably names at this point. You, you're not going to sell them down 30 35% or however much they're down. J&J might even have uh, a vaccine for this. So it could be on the list of beneficiaries. Okay. Um, Sprott. Yeah, Sprott. It's called Sprott, not Sprout. It's Sprott, S-P-R-O-T, O-O-T, or O-T-T. Sprott, physical, gold, and silver, okay? Go look at the website. All right, guys, that about wraps it up. Thanks so much for spending time with me today. I look forward to talking to you guys again on Monday at 1130 in the midst of the mayhem. Bring your questions again. Take care, guys. Have a great night. Great day. Have a great weekend. Have fun with your kids. Talk to your parents. Be safe.